If you've been listening to my podcast, you might remember that I was expecting a baby boy. Well, the boy is here, which is amazing, but there were a number of stressful things surrounding his birth, among them for me, the question of circumcision. Today on the podcast, I talk to Emily Blake. Emily is a moyle, the religious figure who performs circumcisions on newborn Jewish boys. I'm Elliot Malkin, and this is The People. I'm an OBGYN, and I was doing my internship, and it's the OBGYNs that do the circumcisions in the hospital. So I had trained in doing that. I was already very comfortable doing the circumcision part, and I was finding myself sort of becoming more and more observant as a Jew. At the same time, medicine was sort of going in a different direction. Medicine was becoming monetized in a way that people wanted you to see a lot of patients because you had to really crank people in and out if you wanted to bring in enough money to support the office and the office staff and all of the expenses. I started to realize that if I did more and more as a moyle, I could spend whatever time I needed for the family that I was working with to really make them comfortable. So you've been a moil full-time since 2007. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know a little more about the lifestyle of a moil. It's crazy. <laughs> it's totally... It's like rock and roll. Well, it's, it's, it's really crazy because, you know, I don't know what my schedule is nine days from now. Can you imagine living your life like that? Like, I have friends that'll say, you know, it's like, oh, there's a great show. You want to go on March the 3rd? To see something, it's like, I don't know what I'm going to be doing that day. I could be in New Haven. I could be in Philadelphia. I mean, I don't know where I'll be or what I'll be doing. I don't know if I'll have a bris that day or three that day. I mean, you'd never know. For years and years and years, I mean, I never took a vacation that was beyond where I could drive because you want to be able to be there for families that you've been counseling and working with and talking to. And I get parents that call me months before they deliver. I mean, I actually had one family that called me before they even conceived their pregnancy. So it's a crazy life. So you're always on call. Always on call. What's the demand like for your services? Luckily, high. It's wonderful. It's great. And, you know, I think that I do about, I think it averages out to like 180 a year, something like that. I will tell you that in some sense, I limit how many I do. There's some Mohalim who will go from one and, you know, bust in the room, do a service, do a circumcision and blow out and go do another one and another one and another one. I actually will limit it to no more than three in a day because I give time there. I come earlier before we start. I stay for an hour afterwards to make sure that the baby is medically stable, that there's no bleeding, that the parents are comfortable. I go through all the aftercare and I look at the result before I leave there so that when I get home at the end of the day, I know how everybody is. And because of that, it takes me a lot of time to do one. And I feel good with that. So I don't mind that. Um, and I think there's a self-selection of who calls me and who wants to work with me. But I usually end up working with incredibly interesting families. A lot of times people that are struggling with the decision or really thoughtful about why they want to do it or what they want to include in it and who they want to honor in it. And it's 
really fulfilling, wonderful work. Is it necessary to be circumcised to be Jewish? It's not necessary. Um, It is necessary to be circumcised as a Jew for enjoining certain of the ritual aspects. Primarily, uh, uncircumcised man's not allowed to sit for Passover Seder, to be a member in the Passover Seder. Um, But Judaism is not passed on to a man at the time of his circumcision. It's passed on to a man at the time of his birth of a Jewish mother. So it's not exactly required. On the other hand, it's the covenant that we verbally made with God. So to not do it then sends some kind of question of, well, are you still maintaining your part of the bargain to be a Jew? But when we talk about the covenant with God, why did it come in the form of circumcision? I am totally with you. I mean, there are other options. Don't you think? There's tattoos. Right. There's scarification. Sure. There's a lot of things that could have been done equally, male and female. As a religious practitioner, I can't tell you that it was based on hygiene. You know, we have learned these rules because they were written in our Torah. I mean, this is something I struggle with personally. Sure. As a secular Jew, because when my baby was born 12 weeks ago, I thought he was perfect. Yeah. I mean, he was just really beautiful, and there was no modifications required. Absolutely. You know, I I think I did it because I would have felt bad not doing it. Right. I guess you could call it Jewish guilt, but it was really about my parents, which is, I guess, where Jewish guilt is exerted through, through the parents. But I could not fathom my parents holding up my baby and seeing him uncircumcised. That's where the concept of tradition comes in. It's to uphold something that maybe to you today has no meaning, but it's the tradition. And that's an incredible gentleness from yourself, a gift that you gave to your parents, or maybe as I see it, to all of us, to me included, as a Jew. I think ultimately I saw it as a normative act, a normative choice, meaning for me that was the normal thing to do. Mm Mm-hmm. I was circumcised, my father was circumcised, my brother was circumcised, every other Reformed Jew that I grew up with was circumcised. So I don't know any other way, and it would have taken a very strong act on my part to defy that. Right. All that being said, I feel good about it. (laughs) Like the second it was over, it just washed away. All the stress I felt about it, and in great part... Because Armoyle did a beautiful job and he did not suffer. Right, exactly. He, I mean, I gave my boy a bath in the sink on the fourth or fifth day of his life. And he was screaming and he was outraged and it was terrorizing for him to get this little gentle warm bath. But when he got circumcised, when he got his foreskin removed, he made one little yelp. I mean, he literally just went, yeah. Yeah. And then he didn't cry. I know. It's interesting to me because there's, and I love their name, I have to say, the intactivists. They will often talk about, well, it's it's so brutal and it's so, bar, you know, it, it's so mean and it's so cruel. And I've not seen that. For the thousands of circumcisions I've done, I actually think 
it can be done so gently that the baby is not traumatized in the least. I suppose that you could do a circumcision in a way that isn't gentle. Did your son go back to the hospital? Did he ever have to have blood drawn? Have you seen how they take blood from a baby? Right, that has not happened, thankfully. Right, well, he's probably old enough now that they won't do it this way. But in the hospital, they always run some initial blood tests. And they do a heel stick where they grab the baby's heel and then they jab it with the thing. It's much more brutal than what I do a baby when I'm circumcising him. I, I just don't see it as that painful. In my son's case, he had anesthesia around his penis, and I thought that was obligatory. I would not have done it otherwise. Right, and that's how I do it. That's great. I think when I was a baby, I only had wine. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think many bris, brisses are done without local anesthetic. Yes, I, I, I would have a hard time with that. I would have a hard time doing that to somebody. I would have a hard time having a career in which I went from one to another to another and inflicted pain. But interestingly, there are some mohalim who actually will say, you know, oh, for the baby to cry, that opens the door to heaven. I'm not one of those Mm -hmm. people. I agree with you. So what else happens at a bris besides the actual circumcision? I ask the parents if they want me to do it for them or if they want to do it themselves. There's The tradition is actually that the father is supposed to do the actual circumcision and that the moil is just the agent of that. You're just asking that question symbolically. Right. I also, I do it that the circumcision is very early in the ceremony. I come early and get the baby comfortable, which is why over 90% of my babies literally sleep through the cut. They, they don't even make that one little peep. And then I put the baby's diaper on, and then I hand the baby to the parents, and we'll give a Hebrew name, and I'll ask the parents to talk about why they chose that name, who they named in honor of. And then we end with the blessing over the bread. Baruch And then we all eat. And, you know, everybody kind of laughs. It's like you have a bris, and then you eat. But actually, the eating is part of the bris. You're ordained to celebrate. This should be a wonderful, happy occasion, even though, as you've pointed out, it can be a little more mixed than that at times. It's nice to remember the sweetness of it. (laughs) ¶¶ 